Hello and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 13. Today, we are going to be speaking about bloat and kind of why you do it with a group of people. So we are taking a break from the Havamaw. We will be back to the Havamaw next month in all likelihood. I just thought it can get a little a little dry. Um, and this kind of gives everybody a chance to catch up and think about some of the things that we've discussed in the Havamaw if you haven't had a chance to do so. So I just sort of wanted a change of pace. Before we get into that, I wanted to say if you had any questions or feedback to give us, you can email us at hugenhoffpodcast um, at gmail.com or just podcast at hugenhoff.com, and you can always visit the website at www.hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. And I'm sorry, a small correction, that second email is podcast at hugenhoff.org. Now today, we have Lore once again to help us understand this, and we also have Lauren to talk with us. So how are both of you doing? Good, great. Okay. I'm doing perfectly fine. Actually, I'm doing great. I love I love this day of the week since it is Friday when we're recording this. So, you may get more out of me than previous podcasts. <laughs> okay, very good. Looking forward to it. And this one's a little more free flowing. We don't have to stick with, you know, exactly one stands at a time as the the have them all we have been. So we're just going to kind of jump into it here. Now, Lore, I know that uh, you looked up a few things about how other people on the internet described bloat, I think. Did you want to talk about that for a minute? Uh, they've worded it up. It's so mangled with... Uh usages that I don't really like the way they're saying. I could read their first paragraph and you can get to understand what they're saying. Uh, they have it as the blow is the most common ritual within also true, which is true. Uh, in its simplest form, a blow is making a sacrifice to the gods. In the old days, this was done by feasting on animals consecrated to the gods and then slaughtered. As we are no longer farmers and our needs are simpler today, the most common blow is an offering of mead or other alcoholic beverages to the deities. And that's their basic statement, which I'm fine with. I think they should have gone on a little bit more about the uh, slaughtering of animals. Yeah, um, I suppose... Because I, I think that might give a, a bad idea to what it is, because most people don't think of that as a good thing, even though... In the Christian mythos, it also mentions sacrificing animals to the gods, mm -hmm. or to their god. To their god, yeah. Well, um, that is that is something that I want to discuss. Uh, that wasn't a bad start, so I guess in its simplest form, it's a group of people getting together in a ritualistic way and honoring the gods. So let's just jump into animal sacrifice and get this off the table first. Um, right. Yes, they would used it used to be they would suffer the. I'm sorry, it used to be they sacrifice animals because most of them were farmers, and they had animals, and that was a representation of their work. So they'd give part of their work to the gods. Their work was animals. That's what they spent their time doing. I think that's outdated nowadays. Mead makes more sense because um, it would feel silly to burn money. 
which well, would be another representation, but that it's too abstract. Money's too abstract to really do. Uh, but something like meat is something that you actually put time and work into. And you're like, I'm going to work to make this made and think about the gods while I'm doing it. And then at bloat, I'm going to actually sacrifice some of it to them and also drink some myself. So you're sharing with the gods instead of just sacrificing to them. You are sacrificing to them, but you're also drinking it yourself. So it's, it's the idea of sharing with the gods. Right. But that only works if you actually make the mead like you do. Um, so when we bloat, we, we sacrifice and share the mead that you've created. If you don't happen to make mead, that might be a little bit more difficult. Uh, I guess the burning of the money would be what you would be doing because you have to go out and purchase uh, something to sacrifice like that. Yeah, I think at that point in time, I would actually suggest everybody make mead. It's actually not that hard to make. Um, especially if you're going to actually run a kindred, if you're just a member of a kindred, or if you're practicing um, solo, that might be a little less necessary. But if you're actually running a kindred, I personally think it's a good idea to bro brew your own mead for these reasons we just discussed. But even if you're buying mead, what it is there is you are spending your hard-earned money, and, and your money represents your, um, your work, and you're sacrificing the thing you spent your money on to the gods. So if you were buying mead, maybe you just hate brewing for some reason. I love brewing, so I don't see how you could hate it. But let's say you just don't like <laughs> it. Well, I like think it. it would be the time or the space that would be more likely to be the reason people don't brew the mead, not because they're just, I hate brewing. <laughs> Well, but I mean, it doesn't really take up that much space. I'm sure there are plenty of people that live in confined, you know, maybe mm -hmm. apartments or places that they can't me store in it. A studio. Yeah, and it took up a lot of space. <laughs> okay, well, maybe, maybe so. Um, no, that's fair. Maybe you don't have the well, time, and maybe you don't have the space. But what I would say is, when you go out and buy your meat, don't buy the cheapest stuff you can find. Mm -hmm. Buy good mead. Buy a mead that you like and a mead that actually costs money because that's going to be more symbolic. Yeah. Because the, the important thing is that you are sharing and you are actually sacrificing. Right. Uh, sacrificing isn't a bad thing. It shows that there's importance behind your actions. And I don't know if we've done a podcast about sacrifice. I feel that we may have but that is like the central point to the whole uh, bloat is that it is not only a sharing, but you're actually sacrificing, uh, giving power, uh, uh, giving um, um, reason behind what you're doing. Yeah, um, and I don't know if we've had a sacrifice bloat or not. I guess if we haven't, we will touch on it quickly here. It doesn't but, look like we have. I went and looked at the list. Oh, did you? Okay, well, maybe we'll have a more in-depth one in the future, but I want to kind of talk about it here. You're right. I don't want to make it sound like sacrifice isn't important. I like the idea of sharing as well, but the thing is, when you sacrifice to something, if, it's, if you are a farmer, it might be an animal or a crop or something, since I'm not, it's mead. You know, my time and energy is going to this thing. These these gods or these ideas or whatever. When I sacrifice, I am saying... I'm not 
I'm not throwing it away. Because I think where people get hung up is they think, oh, you throw your meat away. You're not throwing it away. You've put your time and your effort into it, and you're giving it to the gods, not physically, but the idea of this is real work, and I have said the gods get this, and then pour it on the ground to give it to the gods in that way. You make that you make your connection with the gods stronger because now that connection has real value because you've paid for it. Sort of like um, you, we, we all know the stereotype of the rich kid getting a card given to him and in the first week she crashes it. And it's because that kid didn't have to pay for the card. That kid didn't have to work for the car. That kid just got given a car and they're not invested. So it's the same thing with uh, with this connection to the gods as we give our work symbolically and as we we sacrifice this thing we worked for, we make the idea seem more valuable because now it has an actual quote-unquote price to it. So, um, yeah, I think the sacrifice is a very important part of that and I think the mead makes a lot more sense than the animal sacrifices and some people will still try to do the animal sacrifices I personally don't agree with that method and it's it's pretty much out of style now anyway so unless see unless you raise them yourself right. and it's something that you put the effort into I think that's silly and over the top that's uh, recreationalism yeah. Uh, yeah is that the right word um, which is fine in a sense because I think part of the bloat is kind of connecting to the past. Right. But to do so uh, in ways that don't make sense in the modern world is silly. Right. We can still make mead fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's something that you can do in, an, in the space that you occupy. Raising cattle and then sacrificing them, that's a lot more effort. <laughs> right. And you would actually need well, to be a country person to do that. Yeah, right. it's not part of our culture anymore. I, right. That in, in the old times, you know, they, they all had to um, butcher their own animals because there weren't any shops that did it for them. So, And it's not common for people to butcher their own animals these days. It's just... That just doesn't happen, so it doesn't make sense for us to sacrifice that way either. But it's really hard to go to the store and find a bottle of mead because not very many people really make it. So mm-hmm. it makes sense for us to make it, and then also it does make the sacrifice more meaningful. Absolutely, yeah, I think so. Um, and a, a connection to the past, I think that's important too. Part of this is connecting to the past, and what I think our goal should be is. We want to connect to the past, but we don't want to live in the past. And if you're doing something like sacrificing cows, because that's how they used to do it, and wearing Viking garb or something, which even I wouldn't focus on the Viking period, because I don't think that's the best period in our history. Um, Dressing in, like, animal skins or something for the bloats, I think that's going too far, because that's trying to live in the past. Whereas maybe you have, have a a horn, because we have a horn, you know, a cow's horn, which has been hollowed out and coated with wax, and we drink out of it. We have a drinking horn. And that's one part of the blow, which of course has a lot of symbolic elements as well, but it also reminds us of the past. You know, our ancestors used to drink out of horns similar to this. It's just one element, so it reminds us and connects us to the past without making us live 
in the past. And I think that should also be a huge part of bloats because if you think of the old days, it's very unlikely that our ancestors who were wearing skins did their bloats um it, it did their bloats naked or something because their ancestors didn't have skins. And I mean, it's very unlikely that our ancestors, when they did their bloats, instead of bringing their swords to their bloats, they brought clubs because that's what their yeah. ancestors had. It, it just, it, it doesn't do think, really make sense. Do you think, though, for some people, um, it's like a, it's like a ceremonial garb, though? I mean, not, I'm not a fan of people dressing up in olden time dress, but just that, you know, like even in other, um, other religions like they have a ceremonial garb that they wear for big rituals so do you think maybe that's why people do it that they just they want to make it different than you know you wear your jeans and your t-shirt every day so maybe they want to make it more distinguished yes i i i can see that but i think part of it is to blend the past with the present because that's what we're doing to fully immerse yourself in the past Mm-hmm. kind of is escapism and you're not really integrating it into your lives then you're you're putting it into a different area uh, i i can agree with like the horn and entering yeah. the mead and having a hammer and an oath ring and everything these are symbols those are important i don't think wearing garb is a symbol as much as immersion okay. and that those are two different things and it is kind of a fine line i suppose because on one hand when you when you do a ritual, um, a bloat, you want to, on one hand, cut yourself off from the world and say, mm-hmm. this is special space, this is, um, which we do a hammer right at the beginning of of our bloats. And, and it's a way to say, this is not everyday life, this is a special space. So on one hand, you, ha- you want to cut yourself off um, and make a special not part of the regular world ceremonial space. But on the other hand, you don't want to make it so foreign that the things that you learn in the ceremonial space and the lessons that you pick up seem alien or foreign. You you want to separate it for certain reasons, to get in a meditative state, to for all these other things, to really commune with the gods, but you don't want to make it so alien, you can't take that communication out of the circle with you. You don't and want to have religious life versus regular life. That's a good point. And I would, I would say, uh, perhaps the way that we blow would be different than other kindreds, because every kindred's going to be different. We we know each other fairly well. We're we're fairly loose. Um, generally, we don't speak over or speak uh, during someone else's bloat, but we can. It's more friendly. It's 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 like a an open conversation almost, and that is what you can get learning from. I think the fact that you would dress up and everything it makes it so rigid. Yeah, that I you are. That. On, that you are unable to connect that with your with real life because it just becomes a ritual and that ritual is the ritual and there's nothing wrong with ritual but that is completely separate from your regular life and if you do that then you're not going to keep uh, what you do outside yeah. of that so I, I think the key is it's a balance for us the garb would be going too far I personally think the garb is going too far for someone else maybe it wouldn't be i mean maybe they dress like that every day i don't know that's probably <laughs> well i mean likely. in the end i don't care what they wear you can do whatever yeah, you want exactly. Every, everyone everyone's kindred is different it's what you guys decide 
This just happens to be, well, my perspective, and it seems to be your guys' perspective as well. That's just us here, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think we've covered that pretty well, and this kind of blends into our next topic. We were talking about every kindred being being different. Now, there are some people, the OR, for example, who think that everybody should do the same bloat. Let's talk about that for a second, because there are some advantages to it. Uh, You've kind of got this collective unconscious idea, which is kind of loosely defined as, you know, you're all saying the same word, so somehow you're connecting on the collective unconscious. Um, I don't know if we can really argue that one way or the other, but also you really do have this idea of community. It's Mm -hmm. sort of like... You know, even if you imagine Wiccan, there are certain ceremonies that you can buy a beginning book on Wiccan and and you can have a greater banishing ritual of the pentagram or a lesser banishing ritual. And, And it's uniform. It's the same for everybody. So when you do the ritual, you're like, I'm like everybody else. I'm part of this big group, which is a religion which has... 100,000 people. And I mean, and also true, we're pretty scattered out. So that could be a huge draw instead of saying like, well, every kindred's going to be a little different. We've got like this, oh, everybody does, everybody says the same words. We really feel like we're part of a big group. Uh, what are your thoughts on that first, whoever? Okay. Well, first of all, uh, you said OR, and I'm assuming you mean Odinic, right? Uh, yes, sorry. Uh, I was going to say not everyone uh, would know that. So, there's that. Uh, second of all, um, there is something to be said for if you were able to jump from kindred to kindred and you were still able to say and feel uh, that you knew what was going to happen next. Yeah. But my personal opinion of kindreds is that they're very close. Uh, they're family. And each family is going to be different. And it and there's nothing wrong with that. And I kind of think it should be. Uh, if you are, you should probably say the same thing at your own bloats each time, just so you can get in that meditative state. Right. But uh, having all kindred say the same thing that seems very dogmatic, and I'm I I don't generally like dogmatic things. It it leads to uh, the inability to think differently. Yeah. Now, Lauren, what what do you think? Anything you want to add? Yeah, like, well, I think the dogmatic is just, it's spot on, because you you have this bigger group of people that are making the decisions for everyone else, and um, you don't, I mean, you know exactly what you're saying, and you can study it, and you can um, understand what they're trying to get you to say, but I don't, I don't think that it's a good idea to to go that way. I think that it's much better to have, you know, a more tribal approach to have the smaller kindreds, and I think that it will it will make our religion even more, um, I don't what's the word I'm looking for? We'll be able to learn more, you know, we'll know more because more people will be collaborating and doing things that they believe and that they have thought about and that they understand if each individual kindred could say what they want and do what they want, you know, rather than having the big, well, something like OR, you know, and well, it's just like with us, we've had our kindred, our current kindred and the kindred that we were in before, and just the things that we learn from them and then the things that we've established on our own probably make our kindred, I think, anyway, richer than having the collective of the OR have saying all, all saying the same thing. 
Okay, yeah. No, the, and I kind of agree with what everybody else has said. Yeah. I, I do kind of like the idea that we all say the same thing. It makes us part of a greater community and whatever. I suppose I've sort of compromised on this one, too. And what what we've done in, in our ritual is the hammer right is the hammer right from the Hofbrau Kindred, where we started. And a lot of other people use that hammer right. It's, I mean, a lot of Austro people use the hammer right. It's not the longest part of the bloat. It's a pretty short part of the bloat. But it is the opening, and I feel like that's the way where we kind of say... Yes, we are also true. Yes, we are calling the gods. Lots of other people do this. And in many ways, we are part of a greater community that stretches back who knows how long. Mm-hmm. But when we get into the meat of the bloat, so to speak, the, the other parts, we have pretty much the same sections, but that's only because a ritual has to have certain sections in a certain order. I mean, every ritual is going to have an opening then every ritual is going to have the calling part and so on and so forth and a closing so that's why those parts are the same but the the rest of it is really unique to our kindred Mm -hmm. and i do want to emphasize something lore said though each kindred will be different our ritual will be different than another kindred's uh, except the hammer right which is the same we have the same ritual bloat to bloat. Now, there have been a couple times I changed um, the ritual. There's There was one time, oh, it has to be five years ago or something, where I made a major change to the ritual. But I did that after careful consideration and saying, okay, is this one going to last for a long time, etc., etc., because you're sort of starting over. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the podcast, but to create this certain meditative state, and that's the thing we're going to talk about a little bit more later, you have to have the same word said every time. So I do think that a kindred a kindred should have the same ritual every bloat, but it shouldn't necessarily be the same as everybody else, because they should have the freedom and creativity to make their own ritual and again to really make it feel like a family this is something different every family has different traditions and Mm -hmm. in the same way every kindred has different traditions so the next thing i wanted to go on to um is we've kind of been talking about community and family and stuff like that one of the big differences between not the only difference. I I feel like when you have more people, sometimes you really feel like the ceremony is stronger just because there's more people. There's a certain power that comes with everybody saying the words at the same time. But but one of the most obvious differences between practicing individually and practicing with other people is there are other people when you practice with other people. And this means there's other ideas there's other discussions um even when you're doing a bloat other people will have different bloats you know somebody might make a really good bloat to heimdall and you'll be like you know that was a very inspired bloat to heimdall and it may inspire you to study heimdall whereas if the bloat was if you never heard that person made the bloat you would have not thought hey i really need to get to know heimdall too maybe you were focusing on another goddess and 
and it's good to you know try to learn about all the gods and all the goddesses so when somebody says something gives an inspired bloat and it inspires you to learn more about this or that goddess i think that can be a really powerful thing or even see them in a different light uh, lauren did you have more to say on that well that's you hit my feelings exactly um it's the spontaneity in um in the people that you have you know you don't know what the person is going to say next to you and so um what they have to say can really change um how you think about things and how you feel about things and it's nice to have that um you know that freedom to say what we want to say and to um, connect to the gods the way that we do because it can inspire you to learn something different or just inspire your life in general you know the way that you know this person made a really strong bloat about um, sacrifice and you know that changed my life about thinking about sacrifice or whatever you know it's nice to have that freedom to say what we want to say because then you can really learn from everyone yeah yeah and Lord, did you have anything to add I, I love the differences of perspectives. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree or think in the same manner as everybody else because we're all different people. But it's really nice and fun to hear uh, other people's perspective on whatever uh, god or goddess was we're talking about or whatever topic that it is that we are bloating to. Um, and there are times when I am just giddy with joy waiting <laughs> for the the next bloat just so I can hear what a person might have to say about things and I I enjoy it immensely yeah yeah so I think that's a pretty obvious one you can really get to know other people's ideas Um, I guess it's kind of going in a different direction but usually you know if you get you know we've got what do we have one two three four five people come into bloat now which which is a nice number um after bloat, you've got these five people together. A lot of times, we you know we'll continue to discuss, and I really like it when we do continue to discuss some of the things that were brought up at bloat. You can't have an argument at bloat. I mean, that would be <laughs> extremely disrespectful to the gods as well as your kin members. But something can be sparked at bloat that then we can, you know after we're done, everybody's not just going to run out of the house and be like, see ya! I mean, we're going to, you know, have a meal and have a feast and and talk a while. And the conversations can continue then, too. And sometimes very good conversations come after, and even before bloat, when, you know, everybody's getting there and, and we're talking about mm-hmm. different things. It's It's a good way to spark a lot of interesting conversations, I think. Yeah, um, the, an irregular person that comes to the bloats is your brother, and the last time he was there, definitely long conversations. That was mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, um, because my brother, we've got a lot of uh, different ideas, a lot of the same ideas, but a lot of different ideas, and he doesn't come often, so when he did come there were all sorts of different conversations that got sparked from that and make us think about different things, you know. Especially because we are all pretty good friends. A a, a risk that being friends with people entails is that you'll end up thinking, for the most part, the same things Mm -hmm. with a few smaller differences. But it's nice to get a really fresh perspective 
or even if it's just the same old argument maybe you and I have had over and over again, to hear it phrased in a different way, to hear the argument fresh can be a very good thing. And, you know, you can you can be the best devil's advocate person in the universe, but if you're arguing with yourself, you're not going to get the same value as if you're arguing with other people. And I, I just want to go on to that for just a second about numbers of people at bloats. Um once you reach, I don't know, maybe 10 or so, it's really hard to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody because there's so many of you there, you may not know them very well. Mm -hmm. um, I, that's why I like Arkindred. It is a little bit smaller than some, and but that leads us the ability to really deeply converse with each other uh, when we're given the chance to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there there is... You know, kindreds are not churches. There is a size limit to a kindred. Um, and, of course, the new person is, is always going to feel a little awkward. I felt awkward as the new person just because they're new. But over time, the new person will not be the new person anymore, and they can, you know, be part of the group, too. Well, you can. Well, it's small enough you can f feel heard. I feel like there were several times that our old kindred, when they got to a larger number, that you didn't you didn't feel heard because there were too many people and you couldn't talk to everyone. And um, but with a smaller size, it's you know you can get to know everyone because there aren't that many people to get to know. Yeah, the yeah. Time it takes to do a bloat increases dramatically the more yeah. people you have. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true as well. But but yeah, I think. Um, there's definitely a size limit. I would not want to have ten people in a kindred. That would just be that would be too big because when you have twenty five people or something or you know even fifteen, even if you're meeting every month for years and years, what's going to happen when you get a group that big is you break up into smaller mm -hmm. subgroups, I guess. And, you know, each subgroup will get along and talk and everything else. But when everybody is out at the Horg doing the actual bloat, it's not going to feel like a family. It's going to feel like maybe a family reunion or maybe even multiple families. And I really think when kindreds get that big, you they would start they would need to start thinking about well do we break off and become two separate kindreds mm -hmm. because the most important thing is to be able to connect with these people because you're doing something very important you're trying to connect with the gods and you're trying to connect with one another and you don't want to have so many people that you can't feel like you know and trust all of them because it's we say very personal things at bloat. Um, we say very meaningful things and very deep things, and we wouldn't want to say those in front of strangers. That's true, and that's another reason why we should. Like, th there's new people that can come in, and that's fine. But it doesn't really get comfortable until maybe a few bloats in, mm -hmm. and then we're again able to just open up like we have, and we do currently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody in the kindred currently is, you know, very comfortable with each other. But you're right. It takes um, it takes two or three bloats before well, before you really feel comfortable. It <laughs> take as many as six, six bloats. Um, and it, the bigger the kindred, the longer it takes to acclimate mm -hmm. to it. But you know, at a minimum, it's it's going to take probably three bloats before you feel comfortable, and maybe six bloats before you're all in on 
being able to say those deep personal things once again. So, yeah, there is a adjustment time. So, you know, if you're joining a kindred, do keep that in mind. Don't be like, ah, it felt weird and awkward the first time. I'll never go again. Because it will feel weird and awkward the next time. Mm-hmm. But over time, as you feel more comfortable, it, it does get better. Um, something else I guess I wanted to mention is uh, we've kind of gone on about how it does feel like a family. And I think that is another aspect of a kindred and another important one. Uh, there's certain O's you can take to be kith and then finally kin. And kin means you're basically sworn. Well, not basically. You are sworn to everybody else in the kindred to uh, protect and respect them. And that really is a kind of almost a family level bond. It's a very deep personal relationship you have with the other kin members and I think that's something that can't be underestimated in a kindred this connection you have with other people it is about honoring the gods it is about experiencing the gods and communing with the gods but it's also about dealing and talking with the people who are around you and I guess I just want to stress that's really important that, you know, these people really start to feel like family after a time. Yes, and the kith and kin oaths in our particular kindred, we have a time frame for that. So you can't just do that as soon as you show up. Uh, not because we don't respect your ability to make that decision, but because it's very, very important. Uh, you should absolutely know each other before you do this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's as much a protection for the kindred as it is a protection for the person taking the oath. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, um, Kith is just swearing to the gods, and I think that is one year. Because you may come across a bloat that you just don't agree with. It could be something that just makes you think this isn't for me anymore. And you need a year before you know that for sure and and with the people there could be a person who you think they're going to be okay you know maybe you like them at first then it moves to you think they're you think they're going to be okay then it moves to you know maybe even after a year you're thinking i can tolerate them they're not my favorite but after two years you know you're really gonna know you know i i can't be sworn to this person i wouldn't be willing to help this person and then you would know that the ken oath would not be one that you'd want to take. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, O's are important. I mean, they're a huge deal, and we want to take them carefully. So, we do. It's it's a year for Kith, and then two years for Ken, and uh, there's not much chance that would ever change because of the nature of O's and how they're important. Yes. Okay, I want to move on to... This is probably going to be a longer section because uh, this is another very important part of bloat <clears throat> excuse me we've already mentioned that we say the same we say the same words each time the reason we do that is well a the words the words are important i mean words matter but when you read them when you read through the ritual sheet or you just go to a ritual and you hear the words, the first time you're going to be listening to them, you're like, okay, what do these say? What do these mean? What are we talking about here? 
the second time you're going to probably do the same thing. The third time you're probably going to kind of be thinking about them. You know what words are coming, you know, by the third, third, fourth time. You know what words are coming, but you're still saying them. So because you know what words you're saying, your mind is occupied a little bit because it has to say these words. So you can't let your mind wander and think about how you're going to pay your taxes. It's occupied enough that you have to be um, reading them. But on the other hand, you know exactly what's coming next. You know what the words say. So you're not giving your full attention to the words. But you're saying them, and you're thinking about them, so part of your mind is still in the frame of reference that these words have created. So what happens is because you know what the words are every time, your, your mind on the surface is concentrating on saying the words. But you don't need your full concentration because you know what they say, so that other part of your mind, so to speak, is able to be freed because it's not quote-unquote trapped by the words that you're saying because you know what they are and it's not quote-unquote trapped by your conscious mind because your conscious mind is occupied reading so it kind of can do its own thing and I think you know that's sort of the part of us this this almost subconscious part of us that can actually commune with the gods. So by saying these same words every single bloat, you free that part of you up so that part of you can really commune with the gods and and, and that's something that's kind of hard to put in words but it's sort of the same thing that you do when you meditate. I know I've talked about meditating on the podcast before. You turn off all your sensory input so that and you try not to think about anything so that like core part of you can go do something, be it commune with the gods or whatever. There's another technique of meditation, which I've done occasionally, but not as often, where you have sensory overload. You have like everything going at once, you know, the words, the colors, the smells, everything. And and it does the same thing. That part of your that other part of your mind is then freed because your conscious mind is distracted and taken up by all these other things. And I think what a bloat does is similar to that. It it distracts you so that you are free to commune with the gods. If that makes any sense at all. From the silence yep. I'm guessing no. <laughs> no, it no, it makes sense. We did I just didn't know if you were going on with something else. Mm-hmm. Um okay. Oh, I thought Should we, we go no, I, I, we t- we talked about meditation before, and, and and why we say the same things each time earlier. So, okay, okay. Well, I I thought that section was going to take a little bit longer. Um, I guess something else that I'll mention then is this idea that okay, so when we do this ritual, we explain or I try to explain what the words mean there. Um, I guess I want to take a little bit of time to explain what the symbols mean there. When you're at a bloat, you have a a table or a horg. Um, you have something, and it just stands there. And, and it holds certain implements. You have a hammer, an oath ring, you have a bully, you have a horn, 
you you'll you'll usually carry a sword or a knife or some sort of blade. Um, you'll have the meat there, of course. Do we want to talk for a minute about those symbols? I don't know if anyone else wanted to jump in before I go. No, I'm good. I mean, okay. okay. Well, dude, symbols symbols are always sort of difficult. I suppose that they... Of course a symbol just represents something. I guess that's obvious. But they represent very specific things. And as you see those symbols... As you see those symbols, you're put more into the frame of mind of your communing with the gods. You're at a bloat. Um, in a lot of ways, they set the mood. And it's also a strange way of communication because, you know, you might have a word that says um, will. You know, you could have a word that says will or willpower. And you'd be like, that's a word that says will. And you know what that meant intellectually. But you might have the hammer, which uh, I think can also represent will because you know it, it's a way that you put your will into the world you make stuff with it right you create the world according to your will so that says will too but it says it in a very different way it doesn't say it with words it says it with what the what the object actually does it says it with things you've read about the object it says it with associations mental associations you made with the object it says it with things that other people have told you about the objects you know i oftentimes explain to people what each of the symbols actually mean and you end up having this object plus you see it every single time Plus, it's a ceremonial object. You've got this object that ends up taking on so much more meaning than just the word will could. You know, instead of having a hammer, I could say, and now I practice my will to make this a suitable place for the gods. But I don't say that. I think it's even more powerful when I use the hammer to make a suitable place for the gods because it has so much more than you can just so much more than you can put into words. So I think that's kind of the reason symbols are so powerful because they're working on this visual, mental, subconscious level instead of just a word. They're more than that. So And it means different things to everybody else. I mean, when I see the hammer, it's power, it's Thor, it's using our, our ability to uh, control mm-hmm. the world. And that's what is uh, hollowing out the ground. Yeah. Well, well, and it's interesting. I guess that's the beauty of symbols, too. They mean so many things. Calling it just will is a bit of a simplification. Because it means all the things that you said, too. They can hold a lot more than words can hold. And, And they can be subjective, different from person to person. I think the main theme of them are is pretty universal um some most people wouldn't say the best way to describe what the hammer is is love because that doesn't make a lot of sense i mean it's it's in there because you can think well thor is associated with the hammer and he's an earth god and an earth goddess gave birth to him and the earth embraces us and loves us but it's a stretch 
and <laughs> there's a touch of it in there, but that's not the main theme, and I think that people can almost intuitively know what the different symbols mean, which I think is what makes what makes them extremely powerful. And, you know, like the horn, on the other hand, I think is, is important because of the past that it represents as well. Um, it, it's 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 almost like you're bringing that uh, animal sacrifice in, but you're not. Uh, you're drinking out of it. You can't set it down. You have yeah. to pass it hand to hand. I mean, it, it, it gives you the ability to say that's the person that's talking right now. You pay attention to them. It's a, it's a symbol and also a uh, uh, well, I guess maybe just a symbol. I was trying to think of a word that would say in standing, you, you pay attention to them instead. Right. But it it is a huge symbol, and I mean, there's you know also earth connections with the fact it's made of the cow, and I like that animal sacrifice because it is sort of an animal sacrifice, isn't it? It's yes. part of a cow, and uh, this connection with the past is great because you can't put it. You know, I I didn't even really think about this one so much, but now that you said it, I'm kind of going to go with it. You can't put it down. If you're drinking from a horn, if you put it down, your life will flow out. The mead will be all gone. You have to pass it from person to person. Just like we have to pass our own genetics from generation <laughs> to generation. And you know, do we think of that on a subconscious level every time? Maybe we do. Maybe we don't, but maybe we do. Um, and that's another thing. You know, I'm trying my best to put into words now, but who knows how long I've thought this before I put it into words. Um, yeah. And then I, I guess I'll throw the other two symbols in since we're almost done. You've, you've got the idea of the bully, which is water. And that has a lot more to do with love. That has to do with, that's a great symbol because you're, you're filling it with the mead, right? This thing that we made, you know, after it's passed through the horn, after we said, this is part of us, this is part of our ancestors, this is part of where we come from. We pour it into the bowl, and then we pour it back to the earth on the ground so the gods can have it. I think that's kind of a cool symbol there. And then, of course, you have the knife or the sword. The sword is a tricky one. Garb is too far. The horn's not too far. A sword is somewhere in the middle. I wear one sometimes, and sometimes I just wear a knife. But that's got its symbolism, too. Um... Protection is the main one. I mean, you know, you need to protect yourself from other people. Uh, It's also a symbol of wind. But you've got the idea of, you know, in war, sure, but also mentally, you need to stay sharp. Now, see, this is going right back to the Havamal study we had. Um, Always be clever. You know, your wit is your best weapon. I, I think all of that's wrapped up into the sword. So you've got a lot of cool symbolism that you see that you don't necessarily think about every time, but you are confronted with every time you go to bloat. And and I think that is another thing. I think there's a lot of things at bloat that maybe we don't even realize what's going on with them. We, we kind of understand and we understand one level of them, but they may actually be doing way more than we even think that they're doing. So, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, now this is what I wanted to cover. Lord, did you have anything else you wanted to add to the general discussion? Mm. 
Not over the topic that we just discussed, no. Well, I want to move this on to... I think we're pretty much done with the meditative... Uh, how we put ourselves in a meditative state with words and symbols. Now, that was my last topic, but did you have something else you wanted to add just to bloat in the most... And whatever you're thinking. I was just thinking uh, it would be nice for people to understand how a bloat or how we do our bloat would work. Like, like the this, and everything. Yeah, the steps that we, we take and, and what it is that we're doing. I can actually probably put that in the show notes because it is already on the website. Is it? I went looking for it and I didn't find it on the website. Uh, because I haven't put it in the right place. It's one of our ah. show notes. I um, looked at the show notes and I could find it. Statement of Purpose with Lore? Statement of Purpose? Episode, way back in episode two. Uh, so just Long. in the show yeah. notes? Yeah, in the show Oh, I see. Sh- okay, so if you don't see it in the show notes... There's a link. Episode 13, you can go... That means I'm ridiculously lazy and or ridiculously forgetful, whichever. But no, you can go into the episode two show notes and it's called ritual sheet and mm-hmm. there's a link there um i will try to add that to the rest of the website as well so yeah i'll try to get around to that soon so i don't i haven't decided exactly where i'm putting it but that is a place that you can go and it is very useful it it's it, it's the ritual sheet so it says you know right. this is what we do first this is what we do second um enough directions you can figure out what's going on and I I do want to say you know if there are people out there and maybe you don't have a kindred close to you you live in the middle of nowhere or something like that or maybe you've never done Ossetru and you don't want to just jump into the kindred because that's it's it's not a huge commitment to visit a kindred but I understand people could be nervous about it feel weird about it because they're like I don't even know if this is my religion I do think that individual bloats can be a good thing, too. You don't have to do it with other people. We've discussed a lot of advantages to doing it with other people, but there's still advantages to doing it on your own as well, and and there's still a lot of benefit you get from doing it on your own. And by all means, feel free to you know, pick up that ritual sheet from the website and use that to do some personal rituals. It can be used to do personal rituals as well. You know, you just read through it and buy the required materials and do them in your own home, your own backyard, your own horg, whatever place you might have available. Uh, it's certainly not copyrighted, so, and I think any Ossetur would agree that we like the idea of people doing ritual so you know feel free to use that if you're an individual practitioner as well or read through it and think of how do i make this more mine how do i make this something that calls to me and write it up that way and then just consistently use it okay um let's see did you have any other thing Anything you wanted to say with that or anything else you wanted to discuss, Lore? Well, I thought maybe not a read-through, but like a section-to-section kind of talking points what we're doing. Yeah. Because when when you go down and you say bloat, after blessing of the mead, it doesn't say anything. 
What does it mean? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I could do that. I mean, too long. I suppose we well we've talked about bloat and everything, so it'd be neat to do a little, you know, discussion of what it means. I I'm going to save that for the very last. Um, and I don't too mind. much time left. <laughs> I don't mind if we're a couple seconds over. We <laughs> only do this once a month, so I I don't think anybody will mind. Plus, it doesn't matter because it's my podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, Lauren, did did you have? No, I'm really not. <laughs> Lauren, did you have anything you wanted to discuss about bloat or say a- about bloat before we do this? Were you asking me? Yes. Okay. Um, no, I think you've covered everything. I again, like for us, I think it's better. Okay, better is not really the right word to say, but we prefer that we have you know the smaller kindred setting and that we have the um, ability and the freedom to write our own rituals and. Um, because for me, bloat essentially is connecting with the gods, and it's not quite as individual as doing your own individual meditations, but um, it's, you know, a small group coming together to celebrate and to um, connect with the gods, and I think that our freedom in our writing our own rituals and um, having the smaller setting is what allows us to connect to each other and to the gods more fully than maybe a bigger setting would. And then, um, yeah, and then you also have the sacrifice part of it with the giving of the meat and everything, which is, I think it's good to bring ourselves back, I guess, to a humble place where we're giving a bit of ourselves to someone else or to each other and to the gods to remind ourselves, I guess, that... um, that we are part of something bigger and even if you're an atheist I think it still brings you to a place where you feel smaller um, and not in a bad way but in a good way because it opens you up to understanding the world and a more fuller sense so that's awesome okay I think (laughs) I agree with that alright well I guess I'll go over the basic structure of this works Um, again it's it's in the It's on the website in the episode 2 as Ritual Sheet, and it will be in episode 13 as well. Um, So first of all, it just says Hugenhoff Ritual Sheet. I I mentioned the things that you need to bring. Hammer, bully, drinking horn, candle, mead, bottle opener, book of poem, and this sheet. A sword or knife should be on there, because I think that's an important symbol. Anyway, the first thing you do is the hammer right, and you just face each of the directions and say those words while making, um, you hold the hammer and you make basically a drawing of the hammer with your hands. I bet you could look that up on YouTube and see it, but I've never actually tried that, so I wouldn't swear to it. But basically, you're just making, it, it kind of like the lesser pentagram, you're drawing a pentagram with the wand, in this situation, you're drawing the hammer with the hammer in your hand and saying these words. And you say those words, you do the sacred fire, so at that point in time, you light a, a torch or a candle or whatever, and you, you say these words. And, okay, so, I'm sorry, I want to go back real quick. The hammer right is when you're opening the ritual. Um, it's just saying, basically... This is a place special for the gods. Then the sacred fire, you know, you you light that, you light the fire, and then, you know, you say these words. And then the next 
step is invocation. Now, this one is I, uh, this one really doesn't need explained. The invocation is when you actually call the gods. So each bloat is going to have a different invocation. Um, it could be to Odin or Freya or Frigga or whichever god you're calling upon. Uh, and and in that you just want to you know center yourself, really concentrate on the god. If you have a group of people. Before I do that, I briefly explain what the bloat is about. But then when you're ready, you know, you, you lift your arms to the sky and call the gods down. You say, Odin, we're here. We want you to be part of this. We want to honor you. Uh, you, you say those things and, of course, concentrate and really feel it while you're doing it. And, and that's when the gods actually come down. Uh, then, oh, uh, actually, this... This sheet is different than we do it today. After that is reading by Lore Warden. I actually move the reading by the Lore Warden before the invocation with the idea that you want to give a little more background and then do the invocation. So, And, and reading is just uh, reading some piece of lore that goes with the bloat. Uh, you can also add a poem after that if you want to. And I actually usually leave that to the Lore Warden's discretion. Uh, the next part says ancestors and successors. Again, you read this. Again, sort of uh, inviting the ancestors and the gods to come down. The next part says blessing the mead. So you would open your bottle of mead, and as you poured the mead into the horn, you would say these words. You'd bless this mead. You'd make it a special offering to the gods. The next one says bloat. So this is like the main part of the bloat. Um, it says memory horn. That is the actual horn. Now, there's many different ways to do it here. The and now, uh, so there's a bloat which we've been talking about. There's also a sumble. Some kindreds make them separate, and the sumble is just you're talking about whatever you feel like you're talking about your things that are important to you, and the bloat is specifically dedicated to the gods. Now, we believe the gods care about us, so we put the bloat and the sumble together. So what we do is we have four rounds. The first round will be to the god. So you will you'll take the horn, you'll say something to the god, honor honor the god or goddess, say what you respect about them, ask for help, whatever. Say that and then you drink a bit of the horn. And if you're gothy, you pour a little bit into the bowlie after that. And uh, that's our first round, so everyone will do that. Then our second round, we will honor the ancestors. Mention an ancestor that was important to you, or the ancestors in general, or your family. And then the third round, we actually do a braggies round, where we we brag about something good that we've done, because we think it's important to be proud of ourselves. Or we boast, and we say we're going to do something good, because we also think it's important to make commitments and stick with them. And then the last round is an open round. We say whatever we want, as long as it's appropriate. Could be another another um, uh, another horn to the gods. It, it could be something we're proud of ourselves for, or proud of our family members for. It could be our uh, remembering our spouse and how wonderful they are. It could be whatever. It's an open round. Now, if you were doing this um, individually, this bloat, you know, you may have three rounds to a particular god that you're working with. You may have one round to a god that you're working with. Um, you may 
toast to God and then pour the rest of it into the bowl, you know, and, and make it a sacrifice that way. It's flexible depending on the purpose. Then it says, um, did we change? I don't think we changed this. And then it says offer the bully. So once we have done that, we go somewhere. Uh, since we do it outside, we just go to a small tree and we offer the bully to the god. So we pour it out at the base of this tree and, and we say these words. Uh, we return only a small portion of what has been given us. Uh, if you were in an apartment, maybe doing it inside, now would be a good time to go outside. That's what we did in, a, in the apartment when we lived in an apartment. After we did, at this point, we would take the bowl of mead outside and offer it to a tree there. Um, or you could uh, dump it out somewhere else. Um, just, just somewhere that's respectful. Don't pour it down the sink, necessarily. I don't think that would be good. But just pour it somewhere, preferably on the earth, and thank the gods for what they've given us. Then the next section is the troth, so you would say those words. And then closing um, is basically the hammer right, but in English. So you'd close the same way you open. You'd you'd face north, north, say the first line, face east, say the second, south, say that one, west, say that one, and then above and below. Um, so that's basically a quick run-through of a bloat. Um, or Lauren, did I miss anything? Um, well, I would just like to go into, do we have enough time, I guess, to go into yeah. more depth about what we actually do. So, like, the first part of what um, Byron was talking about was ac our actual ritual, which, for the majority, is read by the Gothi or the Githya. Um, and that's the part that's going to vary from um, kindred to kindred. You know, you may not do the hammer right. You may not feel that that's the way that you want to open your bloat. You may not do um, all the different sections that he talked about because that's going to be how you write your ritual and what's what's important to you. But um, but the more um, important thing to us, I guess, is the actions that we actually take during the blow. And so this is where everybody's involved. And the first, um, we do it in four rounds, I guess, as you could call them. And the first round, like you said, that's like our um, our biggest bloat round. That's where we usually have the theme of the bloat, the god or goddess that we're focusing on, and that's where everyone in the kindred um, is past the mead horn, and they make a bloat to... Um, the god or the goddess that we're talking about that bloat. So that's um, the first one and probably the main bloat that you make. And then um, after that, we do the second round, which is to the ancestors. And um, and that one is kind of nice because it brings you back to your family and not necessarily your blood relatives, but, you know, the kindred that you're in and this relationship that you've made with these people. You know, you could certainly bloat your kindred, your kin's members um, and or your friends, or anyone that's, you know, quote-unquote family to you. Um, or you could go back and, you know, sometimes we just blow, you know, thank you to the ancestors for all the things that they've done to let a, to lead up to this point. So that's like a really... Or Ragnar, or some really famous... Yeah, or some famous, you know... Um, ancestor that's in the lore so you know another important bloat and then the other one that we haven't heard as commonly but is historically um used is the brag round and it's really neat at first i was resistant to it too because we are sort of put as americans in this um sort of Christian mindset that we aren't supposed to be proud of who we are and the things that we do. So it's a really special round where you can brag about the things that you have done and, you know, 
that we are all good people that have gotten to this point in our lives that we've done good things and it's good to remember that um, and then or you could take it to um, the boast part of it where obviously you're proud of yourself but what are the things that you want to do to grow as a person you know how do you how do you want to make your time useful um, and what are you going to do next which is nice to keep you focused and keep you um, on track to do things with your life and then the final round the open round is um, probably the most fun for all of us because at least for me the entire bloat I'm always thinking about what I want to say in the open round because it's like your free you know your freebie you get to say to the gods and to your friends and to your kins members you know certain things that you've been thinking about or certain things that you've been moved to say that you um, feel excited to talk about and excited to share with each other. So um, those are the actual movements of our bloats, I guess. And I think that that's good to know, different structures of different kindreds. Okay, very good. Um, I We're probably going to run over like... Five ten minutes. I'm not worried about it. I only put out the show once a month, so I don't think anyone's going to complain. Uh, Lord, did you have anything to mention on that, or any closing closing thoughts? Um, just that having a ritual in itself is important because, again, it'll call back to that meditative state. Uh, sharing a ritual is important because again you get different perspectives uh, these symbols and the rep- uh, repetition of words very important to get into that state and having others there to bounce ideas off of um, brings it to a whole new level again practicing alone perfectly fine and you get stuff out of it uh, but when you practice with others uh, like we happen to it is it is a whole new world. I mean, I I do sit and I and I think about and I meditate myself about uh, uh, the different gods and and reasons they're here and uh, what I think about them uh, on my on my own. But it's it's not the same. Mm-hmm. So bloat is very important uh, for that sake, and that is what I have to say. All right, very good. And we Lord- I. Oh, oh sorry, I didn't know you were going to ask me. I was just going to talk. Um, so we we um, were talking about this the other day, Barry and I. Um, it's, you know, when you're alone with the gods, when you're in a meditation by yourself, I feel like you get, obviously, a more individual response from the gods. It's more... Um, it's more personalized, I guess, the response that you might get or the feelings that you might get. And um, whereas when you're in the group dynamic, it's um, you're getting more from the people, um, but also I think you might get a different powerful response from the gods because um, it's like when you are with your friend and you, you know, you give your friend a gift or you're talking with your friend one-on-one, you get something from each other um, individually and you're going to make your friend very happy if you give, you know, your one friend a gift by, um, you know, like when you're meditating to the gods, you're sharing with just that individual god. If you're talking to your friend, you're getting that individual response. But if, you know, you s- plan a party for your friend and you get all these people together and all these people are giving them gifts and giving, you know, talking to your friend, your friend's going to be happier in a different way. Um, and so I 
I don't know if that analogy made any sense at all. It made a lot more sense when I was talking to just Byron about it than it did right now, I feel like. But um, you get this community from the bloat with each other, but also you get a different response from the gods when you're in a group of people. Um, so I think it's they're both really valuable, um, really valuable things that you should, you know, practice both. Yeah. I, I think your analogy did make sense. Just in case anyone was confused, your friend would be the god in the anthology. <laughs> right, right. You know, do you give a, you know, having a special one-on-one session with the gods is very important, just like it would be with your friend. But when you invite all these people in, in essence, to a party for the gods, that's special in a different way. Did you have anything else, Lauren? No, that's it. Okay. Well, I do want to... uh, Oh, I guess my final thoughts are just bloat is important. I think this ritual is the way we try to connect with the gods. This is the way you commune with the gods and and how you ultimately learn more stuff about them. I I pretty much just want to echo everything that Lore and Lauren said in their closing remarks because I was completely on board with both of those. So, um, yeah... uh, Ritual is definitely an important thing. So I want to thank Lore and Lauren. Uh, we haven't had you on for a while, so definitely thanks for coming on and being part of it. And Lore, of course, you're you're on every month, and I very much do appreciate it. So both of you, thank you for being on. And everybody out there, if you had any questions, please send me an email, uh, hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com or just podcast at hugenhoff.org. Feel free to download our podcast at hugenhoff.org, H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org under the podcast section. I suggest the RSS feed because you get them easier that way and you don't have to think about it so much tell your friends and family if you so desire and please send me some email i would love to read some feedback out on the air i don't know if you call it the air in a podcast nonetheless i'd love to read some feedback on the air if anybody has anything to say so everyone once again thank you for listening for hell for hell for hell